Dvorak wrote Symphony Number no. 9 in E minor, or New World Symphony, while he was in New York. He actually also spent a lot of time in Iowa, so he was very inspired by like, the Midwest landscapes. Hmm. Our next door neighbors. Ooh, my man. Cheers! Cheers! Welcome to Pour Me a Mozart. I'm Asia, and today I am here with Jillian. Hello. And we are drinking to uh, Ramos Gen Fizz. Ramos Gen Fizz and Dvorak's Ninth Symphony from the New World. Uh, so Jillian and I met, oh my gosh, is that like six years ago now? Oh, okay. So when Public opened? That was 2014. 20, yeah, 2013. 2013. Yeah. Almost seven years ago. That's Holy. insane. <laughs> That's so crazy. So we worked at a restaurant together. Jillian's great. I appreciate her so much as a human now, and I'm glad that we've reconnected since now. our restaurant days. <laughs> yes. No, you've always been great. I just didn't always you appreciate too. it. <laughs> so is Asia. Me and her, we have very strong personalities. Yes. So sometimes we can uh, butt heads, but uh, we have now since, um, I would call us good friends. Yeah. I think we're great friends. Yeah. You have and a great I'm... soul. She has a good soul. You have such a good soul. Oh, well, thank you. You too. <laughs> I was actually thinking today, like, you're a very loyal person, but you really make people earn it, which I yeah. think is a really great quality. I was thinking about your Hogwarts house, which I said I wouldn't bring up. What but... is my Hogwarts house? Because <laughs> I don't watch Harry Potter. I don't know anything about Star Wars. So what know, is my Hogwarts house? So Asia, like, she asked me, she goes, do you know your Hogwarts house? And I go, my what? Where's my house? And, and I like, told her my address. <laughs> And she's like, oh, and Harry she goes, Potter? Don't say that. Don't Voldemort. let people stop you. <laughs> yeah, I actually do have a worldwide audience, so like anyone from anywhere. I mean, stalk me if you're that interested. That's... Just living on the wild side. <laughs> so you have a bunch of hobbies. Mm-hmm. So my whole entire house is a complete greenhouse. I mean... I have all of these plants everywhere. So I started getting into this like terracotta plant painting and it started getting a lot more intricate lately and it's got a little bit more um, obsessive maybe. (laughs) True (laughs) artist. Isn't isn't that healthy, but I find myself like not even going out on a Friday night and wanting to go home and just paint. I love it. It's my artistic thing. Yeah, everyone has to have some sort of outlet. Yeah. What kind of music do you listen to? Oh, um, lately I've been listening to her. So, or how however you pronounce it, H E R. Some people do it, mm-hmm. or her. So just the chill playlist, I guess. And so okay. it's just really just low key. It's not classic. I love classical. I played music in high school, but. You played the flute, right? I played the saxophone. What? The alto and the berry. Jazz band, honors band, Northwinds, oh. marching band. Um, so also in high school, you were an athlete. Yes. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about I that. I played and maybe hockey. Hockey. Soccer. And who you identify with more? Ooh. The athletes uh, or the band keeps? Um, I identified more. <laughs> this is going to sound stupid. But just, on, I was just a rebel. I, like, ditched, I just did not do anything. Okay. Like, I just stopped doing it all. Like, I just. Wait, in high school? Yeah. I just oh. didn't do it. I Wait, okay. went more, there's, it's a sad story, and I don't really want to go into it with my whole hockey career, but. Sure. So that kind of what is got me away from that mm-hmm. when I was in 11th grade. 
I had a friend okay. pass away, oh. um, the, tragically, and so that got me out of that. She's my best friend, and so not to depress anyone, but that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then band, I just didn't, I couldn't relate to people there. They just kind of shoved me out and didn't really think I was part of them. I guess I don't know. So that's, I was just kind of a little rebel. That's too bad. That's okay, but. I'm good. It's like, <laughs> it's Independence like, is great too. Sorry, um, I didn't mean to bring that down, but that's no, what that's, happened. That's okay. That's not the first time that that's mm-hmm. come up on the podcast. I mean, music is an all-encompassing thing, and you know, yeah. we deal with the the happiness and the sadness. And um, for me, performing that stuff helps me work through mm-hmm. some of my emotions. But you know, listening to music, I know, helps people too. So I think maybe if I did have that outlet, of maybe. Maybe music would have helped me kind of deal with my loss. Who knows? I need to get my pads changed on my on my saxophone. So you still have a saxophone? Oh, yes, I do. I know someone you can talk to. Oh, it's so expensive, though. It was like $1,500. It's expensive. It is. Absolutely. Maybe not for someone else, but it's expensive My maintenance is not $1,500 yearly. Yeah. It's much less. Yeah. What is your go-to drink? Um, Definitely vodka soda. Stoli, Tito's. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what do you do for a living? Um, I currently am now working at the restaurant that I opened with my best friend and both of my best friends now work there and, uh, I've known them since we were five years old at the French Hen. And so I do. If you want to go stop Jillian, (laughs) go to the French Hen. Yeah. Oops. I probably shouldn't have said that, but that's fine. You're open to stalkers though, apparently. Yeah. Come stalk me. I would love the attention. Um, no, just kidding. Don't. I do a little bit of everything there. I was just prep cooking today. I serve. I work private events. I do a little bit of things. What I liked about working in a restaurant is you kind of have to be a mind reader, and that's how I feel mm-hmm. as a musician. I have to read other people's minds and like guess what they're going to do. I have to be able to communicate non-verbally. And it's working, a dance. it is a dance, and in but an orchestra. I have to read the conductor's mind because yes, we're all following the conductor and we're all, um, we call it playing chamber music with each other. So Mm -hmm. we're thinking about it as a more intimate setting, like four people playing together rather than some 40, 50, 60 Mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, But I have to like know the conductor so well that I can see that his elbow is doing whatever and that means he's gonna like take more time here than, or whatever. But you can feel people's energies too. So like, mm-hmm. if you guys are all in sync, I got that from playing hockey too from a young age. Like oh yeah, how you just have to kind of anticipate other people where they would even put the puck, where they would come in, you know, like come in even in the note. I don't know. You could just feel it. It was yeah. music. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, thank mm-hmm. you also for the snacks and of for course. bringing the drink and planning the drink. Would you like to share some about it? So there is this um, gentleman, this kind gentleman. Mr. Ramos. Yes, Henry Ramos. He created this drink back in, well, he was, I think, born or established, apparently, in 1888. Wait, established? Like he was a robot? Like I I mean, I just don't know. It doesn't say when he was born. Who knows? (laughs) But he was created the spectacle and created this drink that with the spectacle that's a he's created a spectacle oh sorry keep going so um he created a spectacle because he um had 35 bartenders um all shake this gin fizz up Mm. all in a line and all these guys are getting so exhausted 
and you know shook them all up and it didn't go far because the liability of the raw egg whites in this drink wasn't very accepted i guess back in the day yeah those <laughs> are a, a thing to deal with it was he just created one of london's best like gin bars even though people kind of looked down on it and people kept coming and everyone they looked down on the bar yeah because i had it was serving these really popular drinks with raw eggs i see Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. I wasn't there. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just going to say, allegedly. Next time I'll have someone who was there. I'm just (laughs) trusting what I read. Allegedly. (laughs) So the gin fizz was passed around the room, shaken by all the 35 bartenders. And it was kind of, it was, it was a spectacle. That was not the name of the bar. I thought you were going somewhere totally different with that. No. And also the reason that they had all these people shaking it is because to get the nice foam and like the mouth feel for this drink, yeah. you have to shake it so hard. The yeah. harder you shake it, the better foam you get True. from it, from the egg white. And um, both of our shakers, when we were trying to make these, were like exploding over my kitchen. So our shakes were not maybe up to par. I, I think Dexter, but... your cat, got a little bit on his head, to be honest <laughs> with you. He does like gin. <laughs> He's expressed an... I don't give my cats alcohol, but he has an expressed an interest I in I think gin. I might have given him alcohol on accident. Not on purpose. <laughs> don't. It's okay. I mean, he's clearly fine. Yeah. I totally forgot what I was going to say, so... No, you have to shake him really hard, so you have to line all these guys, or women, whatever. Okay, so the thing is, you're supposed to do a dry shake, which is Mm -hmm. no ice, for 30 Mm -hmm. seconds, and then you and I both missed the instruction that the part with ice is two minutes. I missed it, you did not. Well, I did it, but I didn't shake for two minutes. That's a lot of shaking. It was a mess. It was going everywhere. (laughs) It was. It's delicious. It is delicious. Especially after we added the extra gin. Yes, yes. So yeah, it was passed around the room, shaken by all the bartenders, waitresses, and customers until the froth <laughs> was perfected. Oh, I'm pretty sure that would like get a restaurant shut down. I would, it would be gone <laughs> by the days. time if it got past me, it would be gone. Pass oh, it around. Pass it to Jillian, it's gone. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> And then someone shake. at the bar is like, where's my drink? <laughs> I couldn't tell you. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's the recipe? So it's 1.5 gin. Oh, they say bartenders, when they say 1.5, that means ounces. ounces. A half ounce of lime juice, a half ounce of lemon juice. And then there's like a couple different kind of recipes that say to put a tiny, like a little bit of vanilla in it. Just like not even a dash, barely a dash. Um, I used orange blossom water and I actually got it from an organic grocery store from the section where you do your skincare. But it's also mm. edible as well. Okay. So it was organic orange water. Two to three drops of that mm. orange water. Yep. And then a half ounce of simple syrup. And uh, shake it, shake it, shake it. Did we say egg white? Yeah, shake it, shake it, shake it for 30 seconds. And then Asia got this right. I got it wrong. <laughs> Add ice cubes. Shake it, shake it, shake it. And this is where they passed it around back in the mm-hmm. day. Apparently they were wussies and uh, <laughs> couldn't uh, shake the shaker for longer than two minutes to be able to create that uh, frothy foam that an egg white creates. But you really want to make sure you don't make the yolk in the egg white or else it will not Oh, turn yeah. Out. And if, also, even if you get a little bit. Just for food safety, um, you always want to start building this drink with the egg white because if you get a shell in there, it's just easier to take out. Even though people who say they never get shells and things, I'm like, mm, 
Mm-hmm. You haven't cracked that many eggs. Or what if you cracked an egg and you had two yolks? Or like, As what if there's eggs? blood? Yeah, ew, you just ew. like never know. And I've you never. It's never happened to me. It's, it's happened, happened to me before. Seriously. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't eat eggs for a while. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Um, no. So you just you always want to start with the egg because if it's bad, then you can throw it out and you haven't like contaminated Wasted. a bunch of gin. Like what we did. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Jillian is putting, I think you were starting to build the cocktail, was going, but then you decided that you wanted the lemon juice in a separate place, but forgot the egg white was already in there, and then we were like, wait, where's the egg white? And it was like, like, it's in that lemon juice that's already in the drink, and then, yeah, and also so in another just, place, and we were like, let's start over. Yeah. I, I didn't want to jump it persevered. Out. One of my New Year's resolutions is not to waste food, so it did, like, it hurt me that's a little really bit. That's really good. Mine is to be more open and honest. Oh, that's a drink. For The Bachelor. Yay! It's a drinking cue for The Bachelor. Cheers! Oh, can we watch it? Should we watch it tomorrow together? <gasps> we can? Yes, we should. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to come over since I came over here? Sure. Okay. Um, Sorry, you guys. Anything else about the drink? Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, she's ready to eat that girl. I will talk a little bit about Dvorak. So my research comes from the Encyclopedia Britannica, fun anecdotes from when I've played this piece, and Wikipedia, the best reference source on the internet. I mean, anyone and everyone who can write on it. So they Michael sure Scott can. Says on the office. Yes. Um, and I read most of this, but copied and pasted, so get ready for me to make mistakes. Okay. <laughs> Antonin Dvorak was born September 8th, 1841 in the Austrian Empire, which is now the Czech Republic. He's my homie. Yep. My Czech homie. And died May 1st, 1904 in Prague. Do you think he had one of these drinks? This gin fizz. I doubt it. We'll get into more of his family. <laughs> I think this drink is I like... I itch my, itch my temple. I'm like, we're just like staring at each other and contemplating. No, um, he, I don't think he was the fanciest. So Dvorak was the first bohemian composer to achieve worldwide recognition. He used a lot of folk tunes from his culture and put them into symphonies and that in the romantic era of music was a thing that people were starting to do like the like Tchaikovsky took Russian folk tunes and put them in his music uh Bela Bartok did that too even though he was a little bit later but back to Dvorak he was the oldest of nine children I know so probably not the fanciest like he probably didn't have gin in the house um his father was a butcher and an innkeeper and he was expected to follow in his father's path and become a butcher and an innkeeper. And I'm so glad that he discovered at an early age that he was very into music. And where he lived, like, was that something that wasn't very sought after? Was that something that was kind of like a lower class, I guess? I don't really know. Innkeeping and butchering? I, I don't know. I don't think it's like a Paris Hilton Oh, type of course. Innkeeper. I didn't think he was, like, carrying around Gucci bags or, like... <laughs> Being on the simple life, I didn't think that he was Such doing a great that. Show, by the way. It's it's really it'll dumb you down a few notches, but it, it definitely it. will give you a laugh on a sick day. But no, I just didn't know if that was he working for someone doing that. I think his parents owned the inn. Okay, but the image I have in my head is like, well, actually, it's kind of like the image that I get for like baby Jesus when they try to go. Jesus. To the like, I'm pretty Jesus. sure it's the same in in my head. I was like, was it made of hay? Yes. Like, what are you it talking? was made of hay. His inn was made of hay. 
Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> this, is, this is my understanding. So anytime you have an understanding, you say allegedly. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Um, so around his father's end, he became interested in the violin and would play for dances for local couples. He was playing early on, and then at age 12, they realized this was like, you know, really a thing for him. Like he was mm-hmm. very talented at this. So he moved somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere else. (laughs) I love you. amazing. So his aunt and uncle took him in and he studied harmony and the organ and piano and he also spent a couple years learning the viola. In his early 20s, get ready, what have we done with our lives? Don't. I know. Don't make me feel bad. All these dudes make me feel bad. Um, He wrote two symphonies, an opera, chamber music, and numerous songs. Even though he had limited resources, for example, he didn't have much access to a piano, which is where composers do a lot of their work, just Mm -hmm. to test things out. Or paper! Like, he didn't have paper to write his stuff down on. Love to learn piano. I love the piano. I have have the big hands. I have the big fingers. I'm a giant human. You have piano hands, yeah. for sure. I have giant fingers, giant hands. I could do it. And uh, I've never had access to a piano. That's an important part. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. You just do it on my floor. I mean, maybe. So he wrote all this stuff even though like he didn't even have paper That's to write crazy. his music down on. Um, he was strongly influenced by the music of Beethoven, who isn't, Liszt, Schubert, and Wagner. Ooh, this is good and juicy. I like juicy. <laughs> Among the students Dvorak tutored throughout the 1860s, there were sisters Josephina and Anna. Oh my God. How, how do I say this last name? <laughs> Hold on, let's see. Uh, Sermakova. Kerma. Kermakova. More confident Kerma, than I was. Kermakova. Kermakova. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's Italian. Italian. Um, Come go. He fell in love with the oldest sister, Josefina, but she did not reciprocate his feelings. Oops. The anguish of his unrequited love is to be expressed in Cypresses, which I guess he wrote in 1865. I'm not familiar with this piece. Oh, I would like to listen to that. A number of songs set to texts by Gustav. Oh, God. You want to try this last name? Plifka Movkeski. Sure. In November 1873, he married the younger sister, Anna, a pianist and singer. And guess what? That's what Mozart did. Mozart was working with this family and fell in love with the oldest sister, and the oldest sister was like, no. And so he's like, I'll try the second sister. And then they got married. Gosh, what is up? I swear. Do you guys have standards? Like, honestly. Try a different family. Honestly? Like, come on. Or maybe the standards is, I like this gene pool. We're staying here. Don't be so basic. (laughs) I don't mean to sound basic, but don't be so basic. No, that's that's true. So Dvorak wrote nine symphonies, nine operas. I didn't know he wrote operas. Uh, Five symphonic poems, and I included their numbers because I thought they were, or their names, because I thought they were interesting. The Water Goblin, The Noon Witch, The Golden Spinning Wheel, The Wild Dove, and A Hero's Song. None of which I have played. Golden Spinning Wheel. Is that, um, what's that That story tale? with the yep, finger yep. It very well could it's be. It's like, I don't uh, know. where if you tell a lie, it keeps, oh, what is that child? One. Yeah, it's uh, Rumpelstiltskin. There's Rumpelstiltskin. There's also Sleeping Beauty, where she pricks her finger on yes. a wheel. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that his song sounded like Sleeping Beauty. It reminded me of Mm -hmm. Sleeping Beauty. I told you that Mm -hmm. when I listened to it. 
He also wrote one violin concerto, which sounds way harder than it, or sounds less hard than it actually is to play. One piano concerto, two cello concertos. The first one in B minor is the most often performed. And Brahms, Johannes Brahms, my man, said of the work, <laughs> had I known that one could write a cello concerto like this, I would have written one long ago. <laughs> and Brahms actually never wrote a cello concerto. He wrote a double concerto for violin and cello, which is wickedly difficult. Dvorak also wrote a lot of vocal music and some really amazing chamber works. Um, so this symphony is called the New World Symphony. He was very inspired by America. One of my favorite string quartets by Dvorak is actually called the American String Quartet. So homework time, that's the listening assignment. <laughs> symphony number no. nine in E minor, opus 95, is also known by its subtitle, From the New World or New World Symphony. Dvorak wrote it between January and May 1893 while he was in New York. He actually also spent a lot of time in Iowa, so he was very inspired by, like, the Midwest hmm. landscapes. Yeah, kind of cool. Really? Our next-door neighbors. Ooh, my man. At the time of his... My man. My man. <laughs> At the time of its first performance, he claimed that he used elements from American music, such as spirituals and Native American music, in this work. But he later denied this. Reacting to American racism, he wrote in an article published in the New York Herald on December 15, 1893... In the Ninth Symphony, I have simply written original themes embodying the peculiarities of the Indian music, which I guess that was a quote. That's not how I describe the native people of this land. Neil Armstrong took a recording of the New World Symphony to the moon during the Apollo 11 mission, the first moon landing in 1969. This piece has been to space. Would you think or describe his piece as like a Native American-esque piece? I'll be honest, I don't know enough about Native American music. I personally, and I'm shaking my head right now, like, I just wouldn't consider it, and I've listened to it a couple times in a couple different versions, I just wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't consider it that. So that's very mm-hmm. surprising that that's where his inspiration came from. I'm, I'm just surprised. And I didn't know this information before you told me this right now, but mm-hmm. I would never have guessed that that's where that inspiration came from, I guess. Yeah, when I was listening to it again today, I was actually thinking it sounded really Czech which I, yeah, I thought it makes sense because sounded, yeah. At the premiere in Carnegie Hall, at the end of every, the end of every movement was met with thunderous applause and Dvorak felt obliged to stand up and bow. I swear I can read. The end of every movement was met with thunderous applause and Dvorak felt obliged to stand up and bow. So this was actually well received, which a lot of pieces weren't in their time. So that's, that's pretty cool. This was one of the greatest public triumphs of Dvorak's career. When the symphony was published, several European orchestras soon performed it. So it is in four movements. We have first movement, Adagio, Allegro, Molto. Molto. Adagio, Allegro, Molto. So it has a slow intro. Thank you. (laughs) And then it, and then it gets fast. And then the second (laughs) movement is Largo. And then the third movement is Scherzo. The fourth movement is Allegro con Fuoco, which means fast with fire. <laughs> yeah, and it is very fiery. It's an E minor, and it is 55-ish minutes long. So it's a... Yeah, I listened to one that was like 20 minutes long in C minor. In C minor? Mm-hmm. That might have been just one of the movements. It was one of them, but it was mm-hmm. very long, and I painted through it for a while. A while? <laughs> a while. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I'm like, is this still the same song? 
Yeah. I'm like sitting over there. I'm like looking at my phone. So I've played this a few times. And this was the second half of our program in the Buffalo Community Orchestra, which is where I was earlier mm-hmm. today. And, you know, it's a lot to ask an audience to sit through something in complete silence that is that long. But I think it's so enjoyable that it's easy to spend that time listening it to it. So I have two musical samples from the first movement. And this first sample is the main theme of the first movement. After a very soft and slow introduction, mm-hmm. and then the orchestra kind of builds up to this moment. I didn't want to play the beginning. I love that build up though. That's my favorite moment. I like it when it's, you know, it comes in and it just like is powerful and strong, mm-hmm. and it really creates like this empowerment in people. But I like that, you know, the little innocence in the beginning of it. So cool and so special. Yeah, it's very special. Uh, if you just heard that crash, that was <laughs> one of my cats doing <laughs> something. Something. They're adorable. <laughs> so the main thing, main theme that you hear here, 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 all four movements. You do. But that's what I kept noticing. I was like, is this the same song? It kept going and going and going. It's a mm-hmm. long song. It is a long song. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, well, actually, the more I'm studying complete works like this, more in depth, mm-hmm. like you mentioned when you got here, this is more studying than I've done in a long time. And I was like, honestly, <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. Like it's more of studying than I did in school. I'm realizing now that composers did bring elements of the first movement back in other movements mm-hmm. more often than I thought they did. Yeah, sometimes with a twist, Sometimes it is verbatim. So that's a little Easter egg that all you listeners, when you do your homework and you listen to the whole piece, when you hear dun, 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 that's a drink. Singing, singing <laughs> is a drink. That is a drink. <laughs> that is a drink. We were supposed to play a game. This is the drinking game. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. So one other little bit from the first movement for you. This is strings and woodwinds working together. I think this melody expresses itself in both really dramatic and optimistic versions and I think it's really interesting how you can change the harmonies under something to make it sound completely different. I love how 
like I said, like how emotional, like how soft and how it just builds up to this like dramatic kind of opening into kind of what it's about to be into this great symphony. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of slowly creates this like great kind of, it paints this portrait of like kind of an explosive, great, I don't know, you guys will hear it soon, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how yeah. it just kind of explodes into... And there's all these slowly, little moments, too. Yeah, and it's like... That's a great thing saying, oh my god. I'm so glad you sang on my podcast. It's like exploding into just like, I don't know, it keeps going higher and higher. Yeah, it is floaty. Yeah, We were talking about if you like movement and music descriptions earlier and float was one of them but yeah you're you're totally right this is yeah. something you would float with your elbows it's beautiful it's just you can feel yourself just kind of coming to it and enjoying yourself as it like you know kind of ascends into something kind of a little bit more giant than what mm -hmm. it already has started off as i like that thank you so, as promised, we have some English horn coming oh, up. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this English horn. It is kind of a weird <laughs> instrument. But it's, it's a great instrument, and uh, like I'll show you a picture. Horn. So here's just a beautiful English horn melody, and mm -hmm. there's a little bit more to the melody, but we'll talk about that after you hear it. really beautiful again intimate moment where the orchestra is supporting the soloist who's playing this just gorgeous melody yeah which i thought was an oboe but asia just <laughs> brought to my knowledge that this is an english horn yes so a lot of instrument families like you will only play the french horn or you will only mm -hmm. play the trumpet or you will only play the tuba there aren't people who are like only english horn players mm -hmm. they're all oboe players they're never bassoon players. But the way it's written in the orchestra parts is, I think it's third oboe is typically also the English horn player. So you will have music that is written, like it'll tell you, you're playing the oboe now, mm -hmm. and now you are playing the English horn instead. So like, you, yep, you have to have a stand. No and way. Yep. There That's some, so fun. I would love that. Yeah. It'd and be so fun. do that too with the piccolo. <laughs> like, I think it's third flute sometimes has, like, you're playing the piccolo now oh, or you're intense. playing yeah and there have been times in orchestra where the conductor like really wants to move from one thing to the next but like uh -huh. sometimes the clarinet player has like a clarinet in a a clarinet in b flat a clarinet in d and they're like i i can't i have to turn my page and switch instruments and like make sure it's in, yeah it's like, not possible like oh, yeah i'm not super human I'm and not then like, the conductor <laughs> is like oh, okay we'll we'll take more time there between those movements but yeah, so that's um, the melody that the English horn is playing there is also a song called Going Home, mm -hmm. which was reworked and set to words by one of Dvorak's students, which is kind of like a oh, little yeah. bromance moment. Was he homosexual? No, he married the second sister, remember? Well, it doesn't mean he wasn't. No, I'm just asking, just like, I'm wondering, like, I, it doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> I think it was just honoring his teacher. So before we started recording... I showed Jillian a couple things, and one of them yeah, was Star Wars. 
Because <laughs> as we've discussed, she has not seen Star Wars. I have not seen a single... Yeah. Which blew my mind. But um, <laughs> you're just too cool for all the things I'm interested in. I am in. not too cool. I'm not cool enough, obviously. <laughs> but John Williams, the composer of the music for Star Wars mm-hmm. and Jurassic Park and Harry Potter and Jaws, as you'll hear later, I think stole the Duel of the Fates music directly from the third movement, the scherzo of Dvorak's Ninth Symphony. So let's let's take a listen to that. money by playing the violin than this I don't know. Maybe try your hand at singing. Yeah, maybe. Don't quit your day job. <laughs> uh, but that part, the that is Duel of the Fates. John Williams just like put it on repeat and made it faster. But every time I play that, I'm like, that's Star Wars and Darth Maul and his cool double lightsaber. And Jillian's just like, can we talk about something else? Well, I'm just like, is it? (laughs) Is it? I really couldn't tell you. I'm so sorry. Like, I don't mean to rain on your parade. No, there's no rain on my Star Wars parade. Just be honest. (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, so a scherzo movement is usually the third movement in a symphony, and it follows the slow movement. The scherzo goes, there's a scherzo, which means joke in okay. music, or Italian, <laughs> whatever. In music. In <laughs> we speak maybe Italian. Maybe Latin. Could be. Maybe Latin. Um, but it translates to joke. So usually there's a scherzo, and you get that, and then there's a trio section, which you will hear next. Perfect. Totally different mood, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, nothing that could become a lightsaber fight <laughs> in no. Star Wars, no. but it's very repetitive. It's very light. I would call that kind of floaty, floaty, yeah. relaxing a little bit. Maybe more. spinny, spinny. Yeah. yeah, I could see someone, you know, like dancing, you know, around and around to that mm. for sure. Yeah, like the dancers that Dvorak played his violin for mm-hmm. as a small child. Mm-hmm. In a scherzo movement after the trio, you repeat back to the scherzo and you play that first section again. So this kind of spins its way into a minor key and then goes back into the da 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 Yeah, leading up to what I think is a little bit more of an aggressive kind of... Yeah, it's totally aggressive. <laughs> it's, it's aggressive. It's aggressive. But not in a bad way. You need to have a healthy way to express feelings like that. <laughs> right? Agreed. I think I only have one more musical sample from this piece. Um, this would be the one that I like. I think it is. It's the one with the Fergie video. Yeah, that's yep, the one you that's like. that's the one I like. Okay, yeah. so um, <laughs> someone remixed the beginning of the fourth movement of the symphony to, <laughs> is it My Humps? Yes, it yeah, is My Fergie's Humps. Yeah, Fergie's My Humps. 
I will put the YouTube link in the episode description. So if you feel like checking this it's out. the first one that I got introduced to for <laughs> this, uh, for it's this whole hilarious. Thing. Yeah, it's pretty interesting and people are very creative. And I really enjoy people's creativeness and how they mm-hmm. interpret the music. You can really see how people's creativity kind of come about and you know that everyone kind of piggybacks on everyone and it goes to show how you know creativeness can kind of you know snowball into something really beautiful and Mm -hmm. modern and it's amazing too how music like this was written in oh i forgot already minor Uh, no the year uh 
but they were leaving the room and they were all singing this melody and it was just like mm-hmm. something that nearly brings me to tears yeah. like to they see they wanted to do that yes they wanted to play this yeah. more than they wanted to play star wars yeah. which is a lot for middle school yeah. and it just like it's so cool and i, I love think it's something that you instilled in them you you made a point oh to, it wasn't like, just and, me it was like so you're imprinting great. on them like you made a point to make yourself known, I have have an imprint on them, and like that's important in kids, especially kids that are kind of a little bratty about it. I'm sorry, <laughs> like just to say, yeah. like, sometimes you just gotta like get to it. Yeah, and, and you are an impre- you're an impressionist, and you're talented, and you're great. This woman here, guys, you may not know her very well, but she is wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. You're, you're so wonderful. wonderful. You're I can't wait for a dance party. <laughs> we are going to dance. And then we're going to do a we're little bit dance of to like... Fergie and Dvorak. Uh, and then maybe do a, a little bit a meditation. of like meditation for a second. Because it's actually it. pretty late. Like, yeah, it is a After late. a dance party, we need to calm down. But truly, there are so many other great moments in the symphony. Um, and in this there movement is. in particular. And what's really cool is in this movement, this is actually related to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Mm-hmm. Dvorak does a little recap of things that happened in the first three movements of the symphony. So you get little snippets of what you've heard in the past, which is just like Beethoven's fourth yeah. movement of his Ninth Symphony. It's a little familiar. You'll find a little familiarities. Yeah. The little whole musical thing. Easter eggs. Yeah. And we love to hear things that are familiar. For right? sure. Oh, also, like Jaws. Yeah. Is that the beginning of this <laughs> movement? John Williams stole two things from this very same symphony. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not very familiar with John Williams, but you will brush oh, me up on that. Oh, because you don't watch that. any of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I can I share some of my favorite musical experiences? Yes. So I actually really, really love those concerts that orchestras are starting to do where they play the movie and the orchestra mm-hmm. plays the music. Mm-hmm. Like Star Wars is a big one. That would be so cool. If they play them seriously? Yes. The first one I ever did was The Wizard of Oz, and it was amazing. Like, we grew up with that movie. Yes. But, like, playing it, being on stage and hearing it and hearing the audience laugh and respond to the movie while we're playing this music, The Wizard of Oz has some amazing music in it. That was an option. Yeah, it's so cool. It would be super cool. And then after that, I did The Godfather. Okay. Which, um, basically, I got paid to sit on stage and watch The Godfather <laughs> because I actually didn't play much in that one. And I sit really close to the outside of the stage so I could just be like, mm. And then I was like, oh, I have to play. Um, oh, shoot. Is this where I'm supposed yeah. to come in? Oh, I did a film festival. This is a... Totally <laughs> I'm sidetracking. Um, I did a film festival. They do one at the Science Museum. It's mm-hmm. um, Minnesota filmmakers and Minnesota composers work together to, like, for short films. And there was one film that had been retitled three times mm-hmm. while we were rehearsing the music for it and, like, leading up to the performance. And I remember sitting there. Like, there were a couple pieces that they just didn't write for violin. Also, keep in mind, I was the only violinist. I was the only one in my part. So I'm, like, sitting there. I'm like, oh, I don't recognize this title. And then suddenly I hear the music, and I'm like, oh, I was supposed to be playing. But it was, like, <laughs> during a performance. <laughs> Like, I could just see you and be like, oh shoot. <laughs> no, I actually held it together pretty well 
considering I was on stage. But oh I remember seeing the con- like out of my peripherals because I was not paying attention to the conductor. I was You're watching, just watching the movie. I was watching the movie, but I saw his <laughs> arms out of the corner of my eye, and I was like, "Oh, if he could, oh, he would have thrown his no. stick at you, like his conductor <laughs> stick." Like, well, the name. The name had changed like three or four times. It's and kind so of we, funny. We talked about it afterwards, and he thought it was funny too. Luckily, <laughs> oops. Um, okay, oops. So I've been able to play two John Williams movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I played Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which was amazing. That okay? I yeah. And some of the most wickedly difficult music I have ever played in orchestra. Ever. Can we watch Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets? Can you play it for me? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going to make you do that, but I can't. Well, not on the podcast, but like <laughs> someday, yes. I kind of um, want to make you do it for me. And then the most recent movie I played was Jurassic Park, which was also written by no John way. Williams. Yes, it was so cool. That is so cool. Feel like, you know, when the dinosaur is like walking? Heck yeah. And you can see the water moving in the yes. puddle. That sound in a concert hall that would be the coolest movie ever it was ever. amazing oh my you're making me jealous i'm so jealous my right now. pretty cool will um, you please just tell me when these things happen because sure, i don't I know will. any of Absolutely. these things um so jurassic park was really fun to play because we were all like this was actually in south dakota but a bunch of my friends from the twin cities were playing this concert so mm-hmm. it was a like rehearsals and then we would all go out and like mm-hmm. um it's just a really good time but also after rehearsal we'd geek out and be like that was the ride of spring in in jurassic park or like that was saisons in jurassic park mm-hmm. and like we like john williams is i've said this before on the podcast he's so well educated he knows his stuff mm-hmm. and he knows the good things like not just the good things, but the best things to pull from these, like, symphony standards mm-hmm. to put in movie music and make it just way more epic. Did you say he was, like, is he a composer or is he a compiler? That could be, like... he compiles yeah. all these different things. He pulls all of these different things into... And that's, on, like, I didn't even... Like, no, that's that could my, be, like, a thesis topic. This I is my, not. like, total internal question. Mm-hmm. Is he a composer or a compiler? There's, um, I think it's Stravinsky that said, a good composer doesn't borrow, he steals. And I think... Ooh, yeah, I like that. I think That's John spicy. Williams does a really good job of but that. But I don't ever, how we were talking about earlier, about the Fergie situation too, like my humps and how that whole goes into, <laughs> you know, that whole I'm sequence. Sorry, it's, just... it's funny, like, yeah, but like... How her whole rendition like can be assimilated with Symphony Number no. Nine in the New World. It's very interesting how not everyone's music is original anymore, and so it mm-hmm. is kind of. So is he a composer? John is Williams, he a compiler. Like, and, and he's he might be both. Like, is he originator? Is he? I, I who knows? But email me at twincitysymphony.com with your five page paper. Brain goes single space. <laughs> Just welcome to my brain. And uh, yeah, no, that's a really great question. And uh, we can talk. And one that <laughs> you know I don't think me. has. A, <laughs> yes. You know where to find me at work, not at her home, because I wouldn't let her share that. <laughs> um, okay. So, <laughs> a question came up halfway through in my head, and I was like, remind me, I have a question. And Jillian What's goes, that? I have a question. Yeah. I reminded you of the question. And I was like, I have <laughs> now. But um, do you believe in ghosts? I do, for sure. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. I believe in spirits, ghosts. You know how 
yeah, mythological I, yeah. I am. And um, did you know this place is supposedly, my apartment is apparently one of the most haunted places in Minnesota. Do, Do you want to go want- on a ghost hunt? <laughs> yes. Let's go yes. on a ghost hunt. All right, we should cheers and okay. just sign But off. can I just share one story? Oh, so, yeah, let's do it before. Well, we can cheers to Cheers. So yeah. my girlfriend and I were painting last night, obviously. Not my, it's a girl that's a friend, not, I'm straight. But um, just <laughs> me and my best friend, we were painting last night. And uh, I went to go get the pizza in my front living room. And I have two living rooms. And so it's what? a middle, it's a first room, and then a second room that's like has two French doors, but they're like blocked off. That's fancy. And then a second living room, and then it's blocked off, and then my kitchen, you know, it's just like, it's long, mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, she thought I came walking back with the pizzas. It was a ghost. <gasps> while I was buying pizza. What? Yes. Oh, that's insane. I'm not joking you. She had claimed... 110% and I believe her. She was like, Jillian, someone just walked through here with pizzas and it wasn't you. I'm like, isn't that cry. creepy? Beep. <laughs> Oops. Creepy as crap. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to figure out how to beep. Beep. <laughs> I'll use that. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for the sound bite. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's such a great story. Mm-hmm. But she, like, I come back with pizza. And she goes, she was telling me, you just come back. And I go, no, I was taking my pizza. She goes, no, you didn't. No. I was like, yes, I did. She goes, someone just walked through with the pizza. That's, that's it was so creepy. She's that like, I just creepy. saw someone walk through that looked just like you out of the corner. Like, it was out of the corner of her eye, of course. But, like, yeah, it was, she was so sure mm-hmm. that it was me. It was so creepy. Well, on that note, we need to go on a ghost hunt. I'm going to do my sign off. Okay. Thank you, first off, Jillian, for being here, and again, for the snacks and the drink. Yes. And... My uh, pleasure. Thank you to my worldwide listeners. As of yesterday, when I checked my stats, I had very close to 1,000 downloads, which is so cool. Yes, that's awesome. Um, A number I never expected to see. I also never expected to see, like, Germany and France battling out for being number two. yeah. Like... I mean, obviously the U.S. is number one because yeah. I know more people here than I do. <laughs> oh, do you? Anyway, <laughs> you know what? Yes, in fact, I do. <laughs> um, you can find Pour Me a Mozart on Instagram at Pour Me a Mozart. However, the page is not active right now because I do not have Instagram. Um, it may or may not also be live on Facebook, but also won't be updated because I'm not on Facebook. Again, it'll happen someday. Um, so if you're listening a year from now, maybe I am back. Who knows? knows? Just try. Um, the website is twincitysymphony.squarespace.com slash Mozart. I know that's a mouthful. I'm having technical difficulties. But you can find pictures of the drinks there and mm-hmm. episode descriptions and all that stuff. Um, the most important one is patreon.com slash Mozart because it costs about $60, $70 per episode to produce this. And that's with like equipment that I already had and me working a lot she this works is like hard as anyone she hustles this girl <laughs> hustles it's all about the hustle it is but it does it does cost money to produce this um to host the podcast and to get the rights to all this music mm-hmm. and that's without me having the rights to actually play the fergie mix yeah. for you rate subscribe review on itunes that's how podcasts get known you know, known i guess yeah even though, hey, Spotify listeners, I see you. You are hey, number yeah. one Spotify. <laughs> you can't rate, review, subs- well, you can subscribe, but you can't rate and review. 
I love reading reviews. I love seeing that I have all five star ratings. Even though you it's only, do. It's five of them. <laughs> Thanks, family. <laughs> and I will definitely um, put this up on my bio on Instagram. But you can also oh. find me at, at Jillian Skoog. J-I-L-L-I-A-N-S-K-O-O-G. Skoog. Skoog. <laughs> Let's go on a ghost hunt. Yeah, yeah. Let's, we're going to dance. Sorry, guys. Oh, yeah. Dance party <laughs> and ghost dancing. hunt. Bye. Bye.